Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 356 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Um, today is an episode I did with New York Times bestselling author Daniel Silva. He is the writer behind the immensely popular uh, uh, Gabriel Alon series. And his latest book in this series, The New Girl, this is the 19th book <laughs> in this series, is out. Um, and so I got to chat with him about... Uh, the book and what it's all about and sort of the um real life events that inspired it um he talks about how when he started to write the book he had one idea of what would happen and then uh an actual current event uh happened in the real world that made him want to start over so he trashed like 200 pages of the manuscript he'd been working on and started over which the writers out there are probably feeling that as much as I am. Um, yeah, so it's a great conversation. I loved talking to him, and I hope you will enjoy it as well. So, um, super short intro today, obviously. If you want to get a hold of us, you can uh, go to our website, professionalbooknerds.com. All of our social links are there. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ProBookNerds, and you can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. I think that's everything. I don't really have much. There's no announcements or anything. Um, so, yeah. Hope you all enjoy this uh, interview I did with Daniel Silva on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. everyone, this is Jill, and with me I have Daniel Silva, New York Times bestselling author of over 20 thriller and espionage novels. His popular Gabriel Alon series has won and been nominated for multiple Barry Awards for Best Thriller, and the latest in this series, The New Girl, is out now. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. So can you give our listeners an introduction to The New Girl? Well, the new girl, um, as you said, it's it's the it's the nineteenth uh, entry in the Gabriel Alon series, which I can't quite believe that <laughs> I'm saying that, but there it is. Um, uh, for anyone who's unfamiliar with him, he is a, a Israeli intelligence officer. He's now actually the chief of the Israeli intelligence service. Uh, he also happens to be one of the most uh, sought after and prominent art restorers in the world. He worked many years at undercover as an art restorer. Uh, and in this novel, um, he reluctantly agrees uh, to find the kidnapped daughter of Khalid uh, bin Mohammed, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, a very controversial crown prince of Saudi Arabia. And he soon finds himself in a real game of thrones uh, <laughs> for control of Saudi Arabia. Uh, so it, it deals, uh, the novel deals, um, uh, obviously with, with, um, Saudi Arabia and the role that it plays in, in, in the Middle East, uh, and it's also the rise of Russia, um, as a, as a competitive power in the Middle East and what that means for the West. So most of, uh, Gabriel's previous books have centered on him fighting terrorists, and now he's sort of forced into this unlikely alliance, um, as you said. What made you yeah. kind of want to flip the script, so to speak, in terms of who he pairs up with? Well, I mean, I've, I've wanted for a long time, a couple of years, I've been watching Mohammed bin Salman carefully um, since he sort of popped 
popped up on everyone's radar about three years ago. Um, and this young man was saying the most remarkable things that he wanted to modernize Saudi Arabia, that he wanted to modernize the economy, that he wanted to give women fundamental rights that they had been denied since Saudi Arabia's founding, basically. Um, that he, um, he talked about recognizing Israel's right to exist. Uh, he talked about, um, ending Saudi Arabia's sort of tacit, uh, financial and ideological support for terrorism. He talked about reforming Islam itself. I mean, in, in short, he was the one we've all been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, as a sideline to that, I mean, Gabriel, um, and excuse me, I mean, the real, uh, Israeli intelligence service, sometimes even I get them confused, <laughs> but, but, but Israel has, has been, um, has had a secret, but, but very important and productive relationship with Saudi Arabia for a few years now. It's an outgrowth of the of the Iran nuclear accords and, and Saudi Arabia's um, frustration with with uh, the the Obama administration and and, and with their, their fear of, of a of rising Iran and uh, as a result of that they entered into a, a profound important um, relationship with Israel and I wanted to explore those ties um, and I started writing a book in August. Um, about this uh, relationship and, and, and how these two men were going to work together to change the Middle East. And in early October, I saw a small item on the internet that uh, Jamal Khashoggi, a contributing columnist for the Washington Post, was, was, was missing. A few days later, we learned that he'd been brutally murdered inside the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. And a few days after that, we learned that Mohammed bin Salman was uh, almost certainly responsible for, for the killing. Um, and I took the original 200 pages, 250 pages that I'd written, I threw them out, <laughs> and I started over. <laughs> and it's a little scary feeling, because I, I am... I publish a book a year. I work on very tight deadlines. I don't have any flab in my schedule to begin with. And, uh, you know, I lost two two and a half months of work um, and and really had to start over and recast the story and uh, incorporated um, many of the elements, as I say in the foreword of the novel, that that much of the novel is, is obviously inspired by events surrounding the Khashoggi murder. And, um, uh, started over, and I think ultimately the book became a better book as a result of that. I think it's incredibly timely, uh, it's important, um, and it reflects sort of the real, um, you know, difficult choices that 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 we have to make right now uh, vis-a-vis the Saudis. Um, and do we stand with them as as an ally? Um, do we uh, kick them to the curb and, and live with the consequences? Uh, and it was a, just an interesting um, writing year for me as a result. Um, that's actually a good lead into my next question, which is that your previous pr- profession, you worked as a journalist and even worked as a producer and executive producer for several CNN shows. 
how much of your working um, in current events sort of shaped the trajectory of your novelist career? Or perhaps more to the point, how much of your experience working in the news shaped the trajectory of Gabriel's career? <laughs> well, before I was a television producer, I was actually a, a print uh, reporter. As I, like, as I jokingly say to my wife, who is a television correspondent, I, I was a real reporter. And I worked in the Middle East. Uh, and I, I, I lived in Egypt. I lived in the Persian Gulf. So I... I um, you know, covered um, stories like this, um, covered the region, um, and, and it obviously had a profound uh, uh, impact on my uh, career as a novelist. I should point out, though, that, that I became a journalist because I wanted to become a novelist. I thought it would uh, provide me with, with good training in the art of storytelling, provide me with good experiences, <clears throat> excuse me, that I could drop on later, and all that turned out to be the case. Um, and, and this year uh, was uh, a prime example of that. You know, I was able to, um, I had to do a lot of reporting mm -hmm. uh, to write this, this novel. I spent a lot of time talking to people inside the administration on Capitol Hill, uh, specialists, uh, in, in Middle East specialists, people who are involved in Saudi Arabia, about what how we should react to this? What is the right um, um, uh, decision? You know, how how should we treat MBS after this? And I think you know, I think in a perfect world, um, I think it's really important to remember that Jamal Khashoggi was a U.S. person. Mm -hmm. He's a permanent U.S. resident, employed by a a uh, prominent one of our most prominent newspapers. Uh, I think in a perfect world, we would have asked the Saudis uh, to find someone else to be their next king, and we would have sanctioned uh, everyone involved, including MBS. We would have issued travel bans to senior Saudi officials. And we, I think we, should, you know, in a perfect world, we would have really punished the hell out of them for what they did. Um, but this is not a perfect world. Uh, in the Middle East, is a uh, dangerous and, and uh, turbulent and unpredictable place. And for better or worse, we still need Saudi Arabia. We also uh, have, a, have a, a deep economic ties to Saudi Arabia. Um, they sell us oil. Um, we recirculate their petrodollars. Um, and I think that if we had, in effect, severed the relationship, as many people on Capitol Hill want to do, a bipartisan consensus is is, is uh, coalescing around this idea. Um, I think we have to be prepared for the fact that they're going to um, fall straight into the arms of the Russians and the Chinese, and we have to mm -hmm. think long and hard about what that means for us. So you are known for not outlining your books. Um, <laughs> so when you when you begin a yeah. new book, do you ever have any inkling of where it's going? I I just sort of imagine. I do have I do have an inkling of where I'm where okay. I'm going and the broad themes, obviously, and who the characters are, and okay. which characters from past books I want to, um, you know, resurrect um, and 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 highlight and and feature in each novel. Um, I don't I don't work. Uh, <coughs> excuse me entirely without a net. Um, but no, I, I give myself um, room to maneuver, uh, room to be surprised uh, by what's going on in the book. Um, and I guess ultimately I've, I've, I 
never um, been very good at outlining the novel. I find it hard to bring the story uh, to life on 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 three by five cards, um, and it, I just you know block out ten or twelve chapters, uh, get to work, and and see where it takes me. And, you know, I'm not alone. I think that. Um, uh, Lee Child does not outline a thing. I mean, he starts from a sentence, basically. Mm-hmm. I have more than that. <laughs> um, I think that Raymond Chandler famously just did not know anything about the story that he was writing. Um, and after, you know, writing 22 books, um, you know, and having some half-finished and, and semi-finished books along the way, I've gotten... Uh, pretty confident in my ability to to um, uh, to, to to work the way I work, and, and I'm not I'm not at all you know nervous about about not having a an absolute roadmap about where I'm where I'm where I'm going. I also imagine after writing Gabriel for so many years, you probably have a pretty good idea of his motivation. I and have actions. a pretty good idea, <laughs> and, and I've I've learned to. Um, at a certain point, place the story in his hands, and he generally tells me how to finish it. Um, I, as you sort of alluded to at uh, the beginning, when you were giving a uh, an outline of the new girl, you, I've read that you always anticipated Gabriel to be sort of a one and done character, and here you are with your nineteenth book. What do you? What do you? What is it about him? Do you think that makes him so popular among readers, and why, as a writer, do you keep coming back to him? Well, um, I'll answer the second part first. Okay. I think Gabriel Alon is one of those um, sort of rare series characters right now that is it continues to grow uh, with each outing, um, which is pretty astonishing. Um, and it's something that I have to keep in mind as I, as I write each book. I mean, every single new Gabriel Alon book has new readers. Uh, and... Um, so there, there's that. So I have a, I definitely have, um, it's not like the, the series has entered, um, you know, middle age and is fading in any respect. It continues to grow in popularity. Um, and, uh, I think, you know, ultimately the explanation for its popularity is the fact that, that I did give him two very distinct sides, that he is an intelligence operative and, and special uh, special operative assassin, for lack of a better word, uh, and that he, you know, that he worked um, as an art restorer and that he's a very gifted artist in his own right. And the way I write the stories, um, that element to his character, I, I write spy stories that appeal to people who might not necessarily read uh, spy stories, spy novels, um, and look, the, the the plots are are complex and full of twists and turns, but I always save room for lots of interpersonal relationships, um, and uh, I try to explore the the interior and love lives of a large cast of characters, and and. In its own way, it's a, it's a bit like General Hospital. It is it has been a nineteen book uh, saga that has that has taken this man. I mean, he's changed so dramatically uh, from the character. 
the other thing about the, the, the series that's interesting is it really has chronicled in a very real sense the first uh, turbulent years of this of this new millennium. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, from from 2000 until 2019, I've written about about terrorism, about um, uh, the rise of Russia, uh, about uh, the unraveling of the old international order, and all these forces that have been uh, brought to bear uh, um, since uh, you know since 2000. And, um, you know, he's been right in the middle of it. So at the end of all of our interviews, we have this thing we call the Nerd Nine, which are nine sort of lighthearted questions. Don't put too much thought into any of these. Um, Okay. What is the last book you finished reading? The last book I finished reading? Yes. Um, The last book I finished reading... uh, Well, you know, I don't... I don't often read books from beginning to end, okay. especially when I'm writing a book. Um, I um, I did read uh, um, from beginning to end, though, um, when I was stuck in bed uh, re- um, recovering uh, from a uh, illness, um, John Banville's The Sea. Okay, so I did read that one from beginning to end. So that would that would be my answer okay. to that, John Banville The Sea. Your favorite place to read? My favorite place to read? Uh, I, I generally um, read um, in bed, um, um, stretched out uh, with, a, with an old reading lamp over my right shoulder. That's how I, I generally read. And what book made you fall in love with reading? <laughs> well, I... Uh, well, I have... You know the children's books that were initially read to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that my two uh, favorite children's books were *Make Way for Ducklings* and uh, uh, *Where the Wild Things Are*. I have a signed copy of *Where the Wild Things Are*, complete with one of the, a little wild thing in wow. it that, that Maureen kindly sketched in there for me. So that's one of my most prized possessions. Um, when I was, I grew up in, in spent half my child in in California uh, of course and John Steinbeck of course was a Californian mm-hmm. and very much a California writer uh, and uh, I uh, read and was read the, uh, to the the, uh, the grapes of wrath at a very young age and um, John Steinbeck is really one of my uh, first loves and and um, you know is still a, a really a profound influence on me and, and someone who made me want to become a writer. Okay. What is one place you would like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? <laughs> well, I got to go to Iceland uh, for a few days this summer, and that was some place that I really wanted to go was Iceland. Um, and so I got that one checked off and I actually really want to go back uh, okay. to Iceland because I was just so crazy about it um, and I've mis- never had a chance had the time I've always wanted to visit New Zealand uh, both for vacation and professionally because I have lots and lots of readers in New Zealand and I desperately want to go on African safari I'm an animal lover I'm crazy about animals so I've never had a chance to do that so 
those are two places I'd like to go. Favorite holiday? <clears throat> Excuse me. I beg your pardon? Favorite holiday. Favorite holiday uh, would be Thanksgiving. Coffee or tea? Uh, I drink enough coffee in the morning to get going. Uh, about a cup and a half of of milky coffee, and then I switch to tea. I, uh, I drink a lot of tea when I'm writing. Okay. Um, I drink. I eat a lot of McVitie's uh, digestive biscuits with my tea while I'm writing. That sort of keeps me going through the day. Uh, and then usually around midday, I will switch from black tea to green tea and drink tea, green tea throughout the afternoon. I drink I drink an unreal amount of tea. <laughs> uh, cats or dogs? Both. Love them both. Favorite food? Um, I just a, um, love Italian food, love to cook Italian food. Uh, I eat a lot of pasta. Um, just I'm, I, I love all Italian food, with it, especially Roman food. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would you pick? <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, you know, Graham Greene is a, mm. a, a, a hero of mine, a deeply flawed and, and difficult man. But, boy, I would have loved to spend some time with Graham Greene. Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Science! 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 Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.